Dear people, we want to begin a study of the Lord's Prayer. May God help us understand the prayer and teach us to pray. Go to Lord's Day 45 in the Heidelberg Catechism. It gives us a summary of what the Bible teaches about prayer. Page 893 in the back of your songbooks. The Ten Commandments really bring us, bring us to a point of prayer as we see how much further we have to go to reach perfection. They lead us to pray for forgiveness, but also for growth. And so study of the Ten Commandments inevitably leads the believer to want to pray and to want to know how to pray. So 116 is why do Christians need to pray? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us and also because God will give his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who continually and with heartfelt longing ask God for these gifts and thank him for them. How does God want us to pray so that he will listen to us? First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who has revealed himself to us in his word, asking for everything he has commanded us to ask of him. Second, we must fully recognize our need and misery so that we humble ourselves in God's majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we don't deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That's what he's promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? Everything we need spiritually and physically as embraced in the prayer Christ our Lord himself taught us. And then follow the words of the Lord's prayer. Let's pray this prayer together. Question and answer 119, what is this prayer congregation? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Then we read together a call to prayer in Psalm 55. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 55. Both an occasion of prayer and a call to prayer. Psalm 55, page 562. to the choir master with stringed instruments and the skill of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I'm restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had winged like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I'd lodge in the wilderness. 
I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house when we walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter. Yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil. Yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be saved. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. I want to look especially at 22a, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have this command in Psalm 55 in the context of urgent David's urgent prayer. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. That verse is taken up again in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, where it's put in these words. Cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. You say, wait, does the New Testament change the Old Testament? It means the same thing. Because the Old Testament cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. The word sustain means he will provide for you. It means the same thing. Cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And as we begin a brief study on prayer using the prayer the Lord Jesus taught us, the Lord's Prayer, we want to put it under this heading, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. That will be our theme with God's help throughout this series, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Do you know essentially what prayer is? You throw your burdens on the Lord whether they're light or heavy. You throw your burdens on the Lord, whether they're light or heavy. God, through David, calls us here in a very real way to unload onto God. Unload onto your God. First, we want to see our need for prayer. Secondly, God's gift of prayer. And thirdly, Jesus teaching us how to pray. Our need. Christians need to pray. 
the situation David is facing here in this psalm. We're not given the specifics, but enough details to know what's going on. He is in dire straits. David is facing a very frightening enemy. They're out to kill him. They're on the walls of the city. They're inside the city. And he's afraid, he's horrified, and he is trembling before this enemy. And he just wishes he had wings like a dove and he could fly far away from the trouble and get away from it all. But he can't. He's stuck. He can't get away from it all, at least not in a righteous way. So he needs to take it to the Lord in prayer. That's the situation of the believers in every age, isn't it? I wish the Lord would grow me wings right now and I could fly far away from this trouble and it's gone from me and I don't have to deal with it. But God says, send up your worries and fears on the wings of prayer to heaven. Give it to me. The worst and most painful part of this enemy David's facing is that it's a close friend who's turned his back on him. A companion turned a killer. A friend turned a foe who's trying to take him down and tear him off his throne. He's trying to destroy the kingdom of Christ because that's who David represents. He's trying to overtake, verse 9, the city with violence. And the word is Hamas. You recognize that word? Overtake the word, the city with Hamas, violence, terror, cruelty, brutality. Apparently, this friend is going to stop at nothing. Who is it? The name isn't given here. It must be either David's son Absalom or his David's close advisor, Ahithophel. Or he could be referring to the whole group with the Absalom Ahithophel conspiracy in the revolt against David. But David is reeling. He's helpless. He's stuck. It's his darkest hour. It's the heaviest, most painful, sorrowful time of his life. Far worse than when Saul was hunting him before he became king. What does he do? He cries out to the Lord for help over and over and over again. The psalm is lined with prayer at beginning, middle, and end. Look at it again, at it again with me. Verses 1 and 2. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. Then in the middle, verse 9, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Tells God to take down the enemy, asks him in prayer. Then 16 and 17, but I call the God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. And after all his own prayers here in the psalm, He ends with a call to all the people to pray. Verse 22. You cast your burden on the Lord, he says, and he will sustain you. He will never permit their righteous to be moved. He's speaking from his own experience when writing this psalm. I was in the worst of straits, the darkest of times, the heaviest of sorrows, I cried, and the Lord answered me, you do that. 
Don't flee the situation. But run to God in it and ask him to help you. It's clearly a picture of Christ's congregation. Jesus, at his deepest, darkest moment, was when his close companion, Judas, had left the Passover supper to betray him. Jesus knows that Peter's going to deny him. And he knows that his disciples are going to forsake him. He knows the accursed cross is nearing him. And that brings him into the garden of Gethsemane, into deep sorrow when he cries out to God in agony. And we read, his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. He poured out his heavy burden to his heavenly father. And you know what? The father heard his cry. And we read in Luke, he sent an angel to strengthen Jesus to go through this. And at the end, he raised him from the dead. He gave him victory over all his enemies. And it's the greater David who himself prayed to the father in dire straits. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The greater David that says to us, I led you in prayer. You do the same. Cast your burden on the Lord because he cares for you. Even as he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, he ends by saying to them, you watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. Oh, brothers and sisters, they say there's a heartache in each pew. There's probably more than one. We carry heavy burdens. We need to pray because we need someone to care for us and carry us through our hour of darkness, through our heavy trial, through our time of despair, through our weight of sin, through our worries about our children, through our own weakness and inadequacies. We're never enough. We need the Lord. And prayer is not just laying our needs in front of him, but as the verse says, it's laying them upon him. Cast your burdens on him. Not just in front of him, but on him. And question 116 in the catechism is so important. Why do Christians need to pray? It doesn't ask why we're commanded to pray, though we are commanded to. It doesn't ask why we delight to pray, though we do delight to pray. But it asks us why we need to pray. Why we need to pray. It's because we do. We're stuck. Enemies on the walls. Enemies within. Like Paul, our sins accuse us. Leading us to cry, wretched man that I am. That drives us to pray. We need to pray. Then sin tempts us and we need the Spirit's help to flee temptation. And Satan attacks us and we need the Spirit's help to resist him standing firm in our faith. And the kingdom of darkness is trying to bring down the kingdom of Christ. And the church is Christ's hated bride in this world. And we need help to be strong and not to cave. The world attacks us and we need help to stand our ground and not give in to its lies and demands. Then we have the afflictions of pain. We have sickness. We have work. 
We have paying the bills. We have a war-torn world. We have family struggles. And these can be so incredibly heavy to care, heavy to carry, even if they're just our own, our very own. And we're not enough. And Jesus, the Redeemer, says, cast all your cares upon your heavenly Father because he cares for you. Prayer is one of the most neglected sources of help and strength, brothers and sisters, but it's the greatest there is. Because you're calling upon the burden-bearing God. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Christians need to pray. Prayer is also God's gift to us. We didn't invent it out of need. God gave it to us because of our need. He is so good. He gave us an avenue to deal with our struggles and burdens. The things that are too heavy for us. He says, I'll give you a tool that you can use. And through that tool, I will help you. Four ways in which prayer is a gift. First, access to God. That's a gift. God's opened a door for you and me to enter his presence. The door was shut by our sin and from God's wrath and he put a cherub in there with a flaming sword. Try to enter my presence, you're dead meat. But in his love, God sent his son to walk through that door and to open it by taking our sin upon his shoulders. And by receiving God's wrath and punishment for our sin, he's taken away our unworthiness and he's made us worthy of God. He's opened the door and Jesus is that door to God. We have access. And in Jesus' name, we can come with confidence. We can come in full assurance of faith with all our sins and worries and needs and pains and troubles and complaints. So we read in answer 117, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we don't deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. It's what he's promised us in his word. Don't think God won't hear you because of the sin in your past. Christ is your advocate and he's made a way for you. Don't think that God won't hear you because of the sin in your present. When you come to him confessing that, he will surely hear you through Christ, his son. We don't have to come to God pretending to be something we're not We don't have to come trying to impress him because God doesn't want us to be anything but what we are. Come broken, wrote one author, come confused, come hiding nothing, come acknowledging everything, put aside hypocrisy, pretense, self-reliance, doubt, and just come. Just come. He's opened a door. He's opened a door through Jesus Christ. Second gift that prayer is on the other side of the door 
is all the gifts we could ever need. Jesus has purchased for us all the things we need for body and soul. Everything we need spiritually and physically. He's purchased it all. We go through that door, Jesus, to come to God. And on the other side of the door is every blessing we need. Fear not, little children, Jesus said. It's my Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's everything. Every blessing we need to bring us through the struggles of this life and bring us all the way to glory. Everything we need. Jesus secured that with his blood. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And that includes every blessing here in this life that we need to serve him and arrive alive. Jesus promised us that whatever we ask the Father in his name, God will give it to us. Listen to these two verses. John 16, 23. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Wow. And then 1 John 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, God hears us. So Jesus purchased for us all the things we need for body and soul. And when we come in Jesus' name, you know, God loves that name. It's his precious, beloved son. And if we have Jesus' name in our approach, he immediately and open-handedly and open-heartedly says, come and welcome. I'll give you abundantly more than all you can ask or imagine. It's the glorious thing but our God that through Jesus Christ he never gives us in proportion to our asking but always way, way beyond what we ask above and beyond. Third thing about the gift of prayer it's a command. God commands us to use the gift. He wants us to honor him with our requests. He says in Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will answer you and you will glorify me. He is so glorified in prayer because when we in our weakness who are never enough come to him who is enough, we're magnifying his goodness, we're magnifying his love, we're magnifying his power, we're magnifying his wisdom, we're saying, you are enough for my burden today and each day. We might think at times, oh, I must be such a bother to God. I'm always needy. I'm always asking. I'm always full of problems. I'm never enough for today and certainly not for tomorrow, but God is honored and praised when his weak and needy children cry out to him. He wants us to look to him for every good thing. And we say in the catechism in answer 116, prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. God will give his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who continually and with heartfelt longing ask God for these gifts and thank him for them. And then answer 117, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who's revealed himself to us in his word, asking for everything he has commanded us to ask him. 
though he commands us to honor him with our requests. Yes, he wants us to attach thanksgiving to every request. Philippians 4, in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. We always have a reason to thank him, even in the darkest times. Look at Psalm 55. Look at all the praise God gives to David in the midst of problems. But come with your weaknesses, your sins, your burdens, your needs. God commands it. He's honored by it. As you trust in him as the burden-bearing God, Listen to Psalm 62, verse 8. Pour out your hearts to him, because God is a refuge for us. And in Psalm 142, David prays, I pour out my complaint before him. I tell him all my trouble. I tell him all my trouble. So the command of Psalm 55 is, cast your burden upon the Lord, or as the New Testament translates it, cast all your cares upon him. Cares, burdens, loads. It's the word in the Hebrew, loads. These are the issues of life that have got you worried, got you downcast, got you discouraged, got you disappointed, frustrated, put you against a wall or in a deep hole you can't climb out of or in a trap from which you can't free yourself. Like King David in Psalm 55, facing death and the whole kingdom of God is under siege. Well, take these heavy burdens and throw them on, not just in front of, remember, but on the Lord. Give them to him. Ask him to carry it. Ask him to intervene. Ask him to work great good out of terrible evil. Ask him to do the impossible. Ask him to forgive. Ask him to pour out his mercy. Do what David did. Ask him to destroy your enemies. By converting them, if he will, but destroying the enemies of the church. The great God. Psalm 68 verse 19 says, blessed be the Lord. Day by day he carries a load for us. I'm reading the literal translation. Blessed be the Lord. Day by day he carries a load for us, the God of our salvation. Day by day. He is a daily God. His mercies are new every morning, right? Every day, again, he says, throw that load on my shoulder. That might sound like inconsistent. Wait, he took it yesterday. Why do I have to do it again? It's because when he carries your burden, it's not necessarily that he's removing it from you, but he's carrying you through it. Sometimes he may remove it from you, but he's carrying you through it. It's how our God works. And then Psalm 55, I call to God and the Lord will save me. Again, evening, morning, and noon. He's not just a daily God, but an hourly God. Evening, morning, and noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. You can never cry out to him too much. The line with God is never busy. He never says, I'm on another call right now, sorry. 
as the infinite, incomprehensible God, he can hear seven billion prayers at a time and give complete focus and attention to each one because he's God. And then one more thing about the gift of prayer. On the other side of our prayers is a God who cares. It's part of the gift of prayer. You're not just throwing out your words into the air. You're reaching the God who cares. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Or cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. You're giving your trouble, brothers and sisters, to a God who loves you through Jesus Christ, cares deeply about your frustrations, about your worries and your hurts. A God for whom no burden is too heavy, no issue is too complex, no sin too dirty, no pain too scary. A God who himself went to the cross. He faced the sheer fear, terror, and pain of the cross for you. And if he's willing to face that for you, no prayer is too much for him. If he cares that much for you, he'll stop at nothing to help you. On the other side of our prayers is a God who cares. You're coming to a king, wrote John Newton. Large petitions with you bring, for his grace and power are such none can ever ask too much. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he's a God who knows your need before you ask him. And he wants to meet your need more than you want your needs met. Do you know that? He wants to meet your need more than you want your needs met because he wants to see you prosper, grow, and reach perfection even more than you do. And he uses prayer to accomplish his plans and purposes and power in your life. Oh, we say he always does more. And we can ask or imagine. He wants you to be strong. He wants you to win the victory. He wants you to be forgiven. He wants you to overcome temptation. So it's a call to faith, to trust in your God, to believe that he is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he will do. If you do not ask, you will not receive, says James. If you don't ask in faith, he'll not hear you, says James. Congregation, don't throw out words at God out of mere custom and tradition. You don't have to try to impress him with a certain tone of voice or coax or convince him with a special prayer language. He hears the humble prayer of the needy soul who trusts in him. And remember always, it's not the prayer way you pray that makes God listen, listen to you. Christ is the only reason he hears our prayers and Christ needs to be our confidence. If by the way you pray you mean in the name of Jesus, then yes, the way you pray makes all the difference. But if by the way you pray you mean the words you use, the eloquence, the tone, no. Christ is the only reason God hears our prayers and as we said earlier, when the fragrance of Christ is on your prayer, sweet-smelling aroma in God's nostrils. So wrestle with him at eve, morn, and noon in the name of Jesus. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and you trust in God who works for those who wait for him, says the Bible, he will move mountains for you. 
Through all history, he's done incredible things in answer to the prayers of his people. And why would it be different for you or for me? Well, one more thing. Jesus teaches us prayer. Prayer still is something we need to learn. One of the first and most important questions of a new believer is, how do I pray? And if you're asking that, you're in good company for Jesus' own disciples asked him the same question. Lord, teach us to pray. He had just, Jesus had just finished praying and one of his disciples asked him that. Lord, teach us how to pray. And that's why we have the Lord's Prayer. Jesus answered that request. And just like the Ten Commandments is a perfect specimen of holiness, the Lord's Prayer is a perfect specimen of prayer, the most complete prayer found anywhere. It contains everything God wants you to bring into his presence. It addresses every need we have for body and soul in seven main things, speaking to him as our heavenly father, wanting us to lift up God's holy name in all we say and do. That's our greatest need. Your kingdom come. Wanting us in the whole world to embrace the authority of King Jesus. That his will be done. He wants his will to be obeyed by everyone, everywhere, all the time. These are the big deals, the big needs we have. Wants us to seek our daily bread and all our physical needs. Wants us to seek daily forgiveness. Wants us to pray for protection and deliverance from the evil one. There, that catalog is complete. It's got everything in it. It covers everything we need and all that God requires. There's no flaw in this model prayer. It's the standard against which we need to test and judge our own prayer life. And as I have learned this prayer more and more in my life and what it means, I find that it governs my prayers more than I realize. And it's not that Jesus expected us to use the Lord's Prayer as a mantra, as a form, repeat 20 times a day and everything will go well. No, he didn't say, pray this. When he taught the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, pray this, he said, pray like this, like this. It's a model, a pattern. And that's why all through history, when the church has catechized new believers and catechized the next generation, catechism has always involved four parts. The Apostles' Creed as a summary of the gospel. The sacraments as the gospel made visible the Ten Commandments as a summary of obedience and the Lord's Prayer as a summary of all prayer. Those four things. And so we're also in the same classroom with the church of all ages where Jesus is teaching us how to pray for everything we need for body and soul. It's a big prayer, congregation. It's earth-shaking. It's Satan destroying, it's world changing, it's sin killing, it's radical when we really understand it, when we pray it. May God give us grace to learn it, the meaning of the Lord's Prayer, and to pray this way. And give us a life that delights in prayer, desires prayer, and takes time for prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, 
you've given us such a great gift in prayer. You've opened a door for us through Jesus Christ to come to you in prayer. You've provided all the resources we need in Christ through prayer. You've given us the Holy Spirit also to dare to pray. And now work with these, your precious divine gifts in our lives to make us a people of prayer. Make us a people that casts our burdens upon the Lord, knowing that you care for us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.